Hey everybody, it's Talking Jake here, and I want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you're not going to want to miss, The Deal. Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers, executives, Maria Sharapova, Strahan, Jeter, and more. The Deal takes you behind the scenes into those worlds of sports, media, and entertainment. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, and welcome back to Talking Knicks. I'm Tom Piccolo, recording this on a Sunday evening where the Knicks just lost 123 to 127 at home in their rematch versus the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, is a pretty pretty heartbreaking loss, I'd say. I mean, or at least tough to watch. Uh, the Knicks had the lead with 26 seconds left, but couldn't get a stop to close it out. We'll talk about that. We'll touch on the other games. There's plenty uh, to discuss, so let's do it. Let's talk Knicks. All right, joining me are my friends and co-hosts. Uh, they are brothers, Greg and Kenny Poon. Uh, we'll start with Greg. Greg, what's going on? Not much. Good, good to be here. Just had a nice Thanksgiving with the fam. Did some axe throwing with Kenny. It's a, it's a new... A new pastime that people do, I guess. So we we tried our hand at it. Is that a new Thanksgiving tradition for you guys? Is that going to be like a yearly thing? Could be. <laughs> Axe throwing. How how was it, Kenny? How'd you do? Uh, I did pretty well. I uh, it's it's a little nerve wracking the first time you get up there because it's like an actual axe and you're just like chucking it. Uh, but uh, I, th- I think it went pretty well. It was a good time. Uh, nice situation. It might might see that again from us. Uh, during the the Christmas holiday, I've been told. So uh, look out for that. But all around good time. Have you, have you done it, Tom? I've never done it. So actually, what do you throw it at? Are you throwing it at lumber or what? What do you? What do you like? Targets? What are you throwing it at? Yeah. So there's like uh, slats of wood with a target, basically spray painted on it, and that's what you're throwing it on. Throwing it. And at. are you actually like aiming? Or are you just pretty much throwing it as hard as you can? Yeah, we're we're aiming. So we played two different games. One of them was just uh, ten throws, highest points win. The other one, we were playing basically darts. Uh, what's it, cricket, Greg? Was, yeah. You had to hit each each ring three times, and then there were there was a bullseye, and then there were two very small targets that we also uh, made a part of the game. So that's, that's how that went. Good time, though. I, I enjoyed yeah. it. I, I'd recommend it for you, Tom. Yeah, you try it. you're definitely not throwing it as hard as you can. You really got to throw it to make it stick, but not as hard as you can. Yeah, I'd be worried about that. I mean, are there throws that don't stick, and is that embarrassing? There's a lot of throws that don't stick. Okay. For me and for my sister-in-law, at least. Less so for less so for Kenny and and my other brother Rob. I, I there were still a few for me too, though that uh, that didn't stick. So it's it's it happens. So you I really, wouldn't be I wouldn't be embarrassed by it. You really got to throw it. Yeah, you got to chuck that thing. All right. Well, I guess we've stalled long enough, and we probably have to talk about. Well, I was I was going to ask you how how your Thanksgiving break was. Oh yeah. Well, that's nice of you. Consider it, um, Greg. I noticed you didn't ask. Um, no, but <laughs> it was it was good. Uh, went down to Delaware, saw my folks, um, met up with my brother and his family. He brought his wife, his two kids. So uh, it was a full house. It was a a bunch of kids. It was uh, and, a, and a dog as well, so it's, it was one of those one of those holidays, and it was it was really nice. You know, do people like hearing about traffic on podcasts? The traffic was terrible. Traffic traffic uh, was bad for for me as well, and I just came back today. 
And I'll also say, you know nothing about a ton of kids if you're just dealing with three. Our our house was popping with with at least five of them, but there's no way to know for sure. And those <laughs> things are crazy. And we got it. We got it down to two yesterday, but one of them was just entertaining himself by screaming. They're not not at anything about anything, or just just screaming, screaming into the void. Um, <laughs> it's a favorite pastime. Yeah, and that, I I tend to do that uh, when I'm watching the Knicks. Okay, it's called the Segway, folks. Uh, okay. Um, I guess uh, let's actually start with talking about this Grizzlies game because it's fresh in our minds. And, uh, and I think the people listening will probably want to hear that. So let's do that. Um, yeah. So the Knicks lost by four here. It was a, it was one that came down to crunch time and Jalen Brunson had a couple opportunities at the end to, uh, to tie the game. And, uh, yeah, it was, I don't know, guys go throughout this game. Did you guys feel like the Knicks, we're going to win this one. Like, did you have that feeling, that feeling in your gut that the Knicks could pull this one out? I felt like they could. I didn't know if they were going to until they took the lead with one, with with 26 seconds left. And then I, then I thought, then I thought they were going to win. And they did. I mean, the the shot that John Morant hit to take the lead with 13 seconds left was, was more unfortunate than, than bad defense by the by the Knicks. They actually played great defense, got the stop, but the the block just bounced directly back to him while RJ was stepping backwards. So he just got a free wide open layup, which was was difficult. Yeah, and it's all it's also tough because that was an absolutely terrible attempt by John Morant, who did a three sixty surrounded by three people and got blocked. And then fortunately for him, the ball just fell into his hands as RJ Barrett fell backwards and he just had a wide open layup. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's sometimes the ball, ball doesn't bounce your way. And that, that was one of those cases, but I'll say for most of this game, I, I like Greg was like, we could win this. Uh, I wasn't thinking that we were, um, you know, even down to the last few seconds. Cause it seemed like the entire last, I don't know, two or three minutes, no one made a single stop until the last, the Knicks last two possessions. Um, uh, so I, I very much felt that we had a, had a chance at winning this and then we didn't, which was, you know, a real kick in the shins. Yeah, you know, the Knicks ended up shooting uh, 10 of 30 from three in this one, so hitting a third of their threes. But I want to say they started like, I mean, it was were they two of 16 at one point? I mean, they were like, couldn't hit anything from behind the arc. And at that point, I was thinking like, it, it wasn't going to turn, it wasn't going to go their way. Like the shots just weren't falling. But then to your point, the Knicks really started hitting at the end there. Jalen Brunson in particular, he finished with 30 points, nine assists to just two turnovers. Um, RJ Barrett had a very efficient game. He actually had two, two of three of his games this week were efficient scoring wise. Um, he finished with 22 points on nine of 18 shooting, hit a couple threes as well. And he had four assists to two turnovers. So, um, that was, it was probably RJ's best game of the season. I'm sure we'll talk more about RJ later. Um, but yeah, I mean, in general, just some, some notes I had on this one. Like, it was it was Cam's return to the rotation. He sat out the last couple with an injury that he sustained in that Warriors game, and he looked really good. Like, even though he didn't start this game, he did close it. He played nearly just as many minutes as Quentin Grimes did, and he hit some really clutch buckets. 
Um, yeah, his clutch shots in crunch time. Uh, fin- he finished with 11 points on four or six shooting. What did you guys think of Cam's performance in his first game back? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think he had a you know tremendous return. Uh, he had some very nice uh, finishes at the rim. Uh, he had a, a nice Euro step that I think, I don't know um, who it was, but he left the defender just like, Defender jumped like it was a pump fake, but it was a Euro step, which is something that I haven't seen before. That was fr- fun for me. I think it was Brandon uh, he, Clark who just got completely left in the dust. Yeah, I don't know what, what he was doing defending that, but uh, it was it looked good for, for Cam. And then I think Cam, during their comeback, there was, so I think you mentioned they were down by 12 at some point. During their comeback, he hit the go-ahead bucket for their first lead in, you know, I think, I don't know if they had the lead earlier on, but their first lead in a while. Uh, which was, you know, a big, big time shot. So I was very pleased with Cam, and he also played some, uh, some solid all around defense from, from what I was seeing. Yeah, I was a big Cam guy today. He looked smooth out there. Looked like he uh, recovered well from his injury. So I mean, he didn't really seem like he he missed a step. It was good to have him back. Yeah, great to have Cam back in the rotation. But, you know, unfortunately, one guy returns and another guy leaves the rotation, at least. We don't know how long this will be for, but Emmanuel quickly just played nine minutes in this one. He got injured um, when he went out to to close out on John Morant. And he tried to – he, like, knew something was wrong and tried to foul, intentionally foul Ja on a drive. The refs didn't call that and just let Ja kind of get to the basket. But, um, yeah, quickly was – was uh, deemed out for the rest of the game with a sore knee, I think is what the, what Nick's PR tweeted out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, and we have no idea what the severity level of that is. Hopefully it's, it's nothing. And we'll see quickly back. Cause he, he came out and was playing pretty good basketball. I mean, even in his nine minutes, he had six points made his, his uh, one, three is a nice pull up three. I, I think he had an and one in there as well. Right. Yep. Yeah, a nice take for an and one. A um, couple yep. assists, a few boards. So, like, I mean, quickly it was <laughs> quite impactful in his limited minutes. What I mean, that's who knows if we would have won if he would have stayed in. Um, I think this was a game overall that the Knicks actually played pretty good basketball, though. I mean, certainly it was a much better played game than the one previous. If we want to go backwards in time to the uh, the Portland Trailblazers game, Trailblazers yeah. game was was one of the worst experiences of my life. It was. Uh, Any other notes on on this one before we move on? Uh, I just want to, again, shout out Jalen Brunson. Uh, And I think he was questionable leading up until maybe like 15 minutes before the game actually started. Uh, And, you know, he looked to start the game. He looked like he wasn't, you know, 100%. I think through three quarters, he was three for 11 with 13 points. He finished eight for 19 with 30 points. So by my math, he went five for eight for with 17 points in the fourth quarter that's that's my guess based on what i remember don't quote me on it but he really shot up in the fourth quarter unfortunately two of his three misses were the two two last Knicks possessions which which hurts because i would love to see like this guy was so big in the fourth quarter he's been so big for the Knicks the entire year i'd love to see uh you know one of these game winners drop for him in the you know in the garden in particular would be incredible uh but you know again sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way yeah. yeah, Brunson's going to be a uh, a recurring topic of conversation here because, I mean, he was he was the constant all week. Like he was incredible. I think he dropped um, thirty in each of the three games. Yeah, at least. thirty plus points in all yeah. three, and uh, 
you know, in that Trailblazers game, he was the reason that uh, that we were even in it. It seemed like, especially at the end there, um, he was just he was a stud all week. Like what? It's it's hard to come up with new things to say about him because he's so you know, you always hear the announcers say things like he's so steady and he's so crafty and um, has so such a heady player. But I mean, it, it's it's just kind of true. He's not spectacular in the John Morant sense, but everything else he does, the the footwork and just the sheer skill, we talk about it every week. And it was just even more evident this past week. Like the dude can straight up ball. And he actually, I think he's making a real push for an all-star game appearance. I may be a little early to talk about that, but I think he's on pace to actually represent New York at, at all-star weekend. Yeah. And we, uh, in our preseason pod, we said, I, I was a little surprised that we said he was their most likely all-star. Although um, given the number of all-stars in the East, particularly at the guard position, I think we, we landed on, me and you, Tom, landed on no All-Stars. I don't know what, what you ended up saying, Greg. Uh, but he has been very much well worth every penny they paid him. And he is probably underpaid despite everyone this offseason saying that it was an overpay. Um, you know, seeing what he's been able to do without being in the shadow of, of uh, Luka Doncic is, you know, he's by far been the next best and most consistent player. And, uh, you know, I it's the first, I think we said this last week, but it's the first player in a long time that like is just really fun to watch. Cause like, like we said, uh, Randall and RJ are more bruisers than kind of like beautiful basketball. And the way Brunson plays is just fun to watch basketball. Yeah. So I'll just, I'll dig a little bit into this. Uh, I mean, dig into this trailblazers game before I pass it over to you, Greg. But um, the, uh, the final score of this one was 132, 129. It was an overtime loss. And um, I mean, Brunson is the reason why this went to overtime. He, he was incredible. He finished with, it was 32 points on 10 of 22 shooting. He had uh, four assists, just a one turnover and five boards. And that probably kind of belies how, how important he was to this team. He was nine and nine from the free throw line. And in crunch time, he was doing everything. He was the guy the offense was running through. And uh, we needed every every single bucket he made, um, even though this ended up being a loss. There were plenty of reasons for it. Like the the refs were atrocious, um, but the Knicks weren't much better in terms of how they were defending Jeremy Grant. He set a career high in points and in free throws attempted. He took as many free throws as the Knicks did as a team. That was a joke. Like that should never have happened. But um you know, Toppin and Randall were really bad at defending Jeremy Grant. There are a lot of highlights, a lot of clips of that. They did a, a truly, truly poor job of defending him. And then uh, Simons had his season high in points as well. Greg, anything you want to add to this uh, Trailblazers game? You said it was uh, one of the worst things you've ever seen. Yeah, it's a bad, <clears throat> bad experience. The refs just called a, a foul pretty much every single play. I think the Knicks were in the penalty in the second quarter. I think they... They said uh, Grant shot 12 free throws in the second quarter alone. I'm pretty sure the, the Blazers were in the penalty shooting free throws. With about seven minutes left, maybe more, uh, and the Knicks never got to the penalty at all in that quarter, which was a, a humorous turn turn of circumstance. But that was, that was just a, a brutal refing performance. Not one to to blame the refs for a win or a loss, but I'll blame them 
in this exact instance, because the way I say it, the Knicks lost overtime. You know, the Blazers were better in overtime. They just hit a couple more shots. Uh, they, got, they took like a seven or eight point lead. There was nothing the Knicks could do. They fought back, which was actually pretty impressive when they were they were losing by eight in overtime. They made it kind of come down to the last couple of possessions by the playing the foul game. But I'm pretty sure somewhere along the line in regulation there was there was one point that would one one point worth of basketball <laughs> rather than one instance in time that would have gone the next way. And if they screwed, they had one more point, we would have won. I mean, this the free throw differential here was 51 to 28, like you said. Grant shot 28. The Knicks shot 28. I mean, it kind of added up at the end. I think Grant shot six in the last 24 seconds while the Knicks were playing the free throw game. But even without those, he shot 22, which is just ridiculous. I mean, the Nick, the, the rest were just calling ticky-tack fouls the entire game on the Knicks. I mean, they called a couple on the Blazers. There was definitely a a few super soft calls on the Blazers, but a couple of them were and ones, you know, which you only get one point for those, which while helpful, not as helpful as 51 points or potential points. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll say like, like Greg said, like I will point out bad refing. I typically won't blame a loss on the refing, but this game, I think very much you could blame this loss on the refing because it went into overtime and the number, like the discrepancy in the free throws, but not even that, just the discrepancy in how the game was being called. The Blazers got so many soft foul calls and so many calls that, like, I'm not even sure if they were actually fouls. And, like, there are so many highlights of things that – or so many uh, replays of just them, like, maybe they got grazed, maybe they didn't. It clearly didn't affect the shot. And it's a shot it's, – it's a thing where there's so much incidental contact that is just let go in the NBA – and it was for the Knicks. It was let go when the Knicks, it happened to the Knicks. It wasn't let go when the Blazers when it happened to the Blazers. And like I just said two minutes ago, like Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett are big bruising guys who just go in and try to draw contact. And so it's not like they were just playing like it's not like this is a jump shooting team and they're just like they were out there shooting a bunch of a mid range jumpers and that's why. Although I think they did shoot a they shot forty one threes to the Blazers 32 because the Blazers went a zone defense for a little while. But at the same time, like there were times when Randall would drive in, there were times when Barrett would drive in with no calls. And, and like Greg said, every single possession, it seemed like the Blazers were getting a soft call. So like, it's, it's not, again, it's not the discrepancy. It's just the calls that got made were just so soft and like not worthy of, of being called fouls. Uh, and that's, that's what the frustrating thing to me was. And that was, you know, the story of the game for me. And, you know, we could talk about how great Brunson was. We could talk about uh, how Barrett struggled. But, like, for me, all of that goes away based on the fact that this went into overtime despite the fact that the Trailblazers had such an advantage from, you know, the way that this game was called. Yeah, and we should note that this game was played without the Trailblazers leading a scorer in Damian Lillard. He sat this one out. Um, Anthony Simons, we haven't, like, mentioned him too much. He was really good in this one. Um, he was a matchup problem. He finished 13 of 25 from the field for 38 points. Like I said, a season high five. And then he also had five assists to one turnover. Um, but yeah, the Knicks struggled defensively. Um, they they couldn't touch the Blazers without getting a foul call. But like I said, uh, 
Toppin and Randall did a really bad job on on Jeremy Grant. So like there's there's blame to go around and the officials probably did make themselves the the headline of this game. Um another headline that wasn't so positive to your point, Kenny, RJ Barrett really struggled. He he finished 6 of 22 from the field. I mean if you just look at the raw counting stats, he had 19 points, 10 boards, 5 assists. You're thinking 19, 10 and 5, that's actually pretty good. That doesn't do his game justice. <laughs> he was super lethargic in this one. Like his defense, he looked like he was just just a step slow. Um, I wasn't expecting that, especially after kind of the, the little few game, the few day break that the the team had for Thanksgiving. Um, I think they played Monday and then Friday. So they had a, a few games in between. And this was the first game back after a, a pretty substantial road trip. And RJ just did not look locked in. He didn't look agile out there. He was just so slow laterally. Um, so that was, that was tough to watch. And he finished the game one of seven from three. And so I think that this game in particular, the, the Knicks fandom, at least the Knicks fandom I saw on Twitter, it kind of boiled over the, the lack of patience and, um, you know, just disappointment in, in RJ Barrett's season so far. I think I, I tweeted that like, it was something like 86 players have averaged, um, 12 field goal attempts per game and RJ Barrett ranks dead last in effective field goal percentage so far this season. Um, he, he has really struggled from the field and he has not really made up uh, for that on the defensive end. So it's, it's been a frustrating season for him, but I, like I said, um, he had a nice bounce back game today, probably his best game of the season. I, I know we'll talk more about RJ, but, um, yeah, so he, he had the, he had the struggles on the road trip and then he had the, the quick bounce back against the thunder where it seemed like he was back. And then he went back to his being horrible ways, uh, against the blazers, which for me, that was the part of it that I was one of the people on Twitter saying, or in, in text messages saying that RJ Barrett is, is bad. And, you know, he did a good job today, but at some point, doing a good job is the aberration rather than the the bounce back in my eyes. Cause I mean, he had that whole road trip. He was just terrible until the thunder game and he was good. And so we thought he was going to keep being good. And then he was just horrible again against the blazers, which was. And I mean, yeah, go ahead, Kenny. I just want to throw one, one point in that surprised me that I saw from, I think it was Knicks fans TV. Uh, someone on Twitter tagged us, Ron, New York, Ron 16. If you're listening, uh, he tagged us in it. And it's just RJ stats from uh, the first 19 games last season. And they were also very bad, which gives me a little bit of solace. Maybe it shouldn't, but um, through 19 games last year, the, the big number that jumped out to me is he was shooting 38.8% from the field. And this year was shoot, shooting 39.4% from the field. Like it, it's the whole list of stats, but like that was the one that jumped out to me that like he was bad to start last year too. So maybe uh, give him a minute. I, I And again, like, I think some of this is dragged down by like for three or four games during that road trip, he just looked like he was not a living person on the court um, because of illness. Um, but I think I, I am more willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and like see how the, the season plays out while acknowledging that he has not looked good for many games. Although I think yeah. this, this last game was a, was an aberration. And one thing I'll say is that, Last season, he shot 40.8% from the field total. So that's not – those 19-game shooting percentage isn't, like, 
super way off what he was. He's just – we were expecting that a jump in efficiency, which hasn't happened. That's fair. Yeah, and and even that game against OKC, which I don't know how much we want to talk about, but he had 25 points on 10 of 16 shooting, which was encouraging. But he also had six turnovers, and a lot of those turnovers were of the pick six variety that were just terrible, terrible turnovers that he needs to cut out entirely. I mean, six is, is just way too many. He's doing a lot of the tunnel vision stuff where he's looking off teammates. His teammates are getting frustrated. Um, there was actually some of that even today I noticed, but thankfully he, it seemed like he came out today making a concerted effort to make the pass. And then he started kind of looking for his own a little. And, um, I know he looked off cam at the end of the first half. Um, and, and cam was wide open in the, in the far side corner. And, and he was clearly upset that he didn't get the ball, but Hartenstein thankfully tipped in RJ Barrett's missed shot. Um, it's just those things add up, right? Like teammates are going to get frustrated if RJ just refuses to pass on these drives because he drives a lot. I mean, this dude drives the ball all the time. There's no reason that he should be averaging so few assists. Um, part yeah. of that is that even when he does kick it out, like the Knicks are 30th in three-point percentage on the season, that's really bad. Um, but it, that's not, that's not uh, you know, I'm not going to bail out RJ for that, like, He's he's really struggled to find the right man to find the, the open man. Um, Kenny, I know I think that you clipped one from Talking Nick's Twitter account where he had a post up and then he drove baseline and kicked it to Obi Toppin for a corner three, and that was really encouraging. I clipped that too, and I saw you posted it before I did. Like it was a, it was kind of a talk about an aberration that that's just not something we've seen a whole lot of is just that kind of improvisation. Um, and, and reading the defense, like you said, and finding the open guy there. So that was encouraging. And I'm hoping that this game being his best one of the season is going to start him trending in the right direction. And that this one's not the aberration. Yeah. And I, I like very much that that play stood out to me because it looked like he was reading the defense. He saw that he had an open man and that to your point that you were mentioning before, that was not the case for much of this game. It looked like much of this game is the same thing that we've been saying since probably last year, where it's like he predetermines what he's going to do, whether he's going to shoot it or pass it. And there were times this game where that happened. And uh, so, like like you said, very happy to to see that play where he, you know, a guy came at him, cut him off, and he saw Obi open in the corner and Obi you know, uh, rewarded him by, by hitting the three, giving him the assist. Yeah, man. And like a lot of RJ's assists go to Mitchell Robinson. You see the lobs, you see the dump offs underneath. Those are plays. Those are set plays. Like that's not, and and, you know, give him credit for, for making the right decision, but it does feel sometimes he'll throw those same passes when it's not there. And it's like, it is, he is predetermining those. Um, And that's, that's kind of what we're worried about is that kind of processing the game. Um, you just want to see it a little bit sharper in year four and, you know, we're not going to come on here and kill RJ Barrett after he just had his best game of the season so far. So, um, two, two of the three games he scored efficiently this past week. And so that's kind of a, a upward trajectory that we're hoping to see continue. Um, I guess the next topic I want to talk about was just some, some rotation stuff. Uh, so since Cam Reddish is back. We had Grimes start, but Cam kind of finished the game. What do you guys think of of Grimes getting the start over Cam? And do you, and do you think that that should be the case going forward? 
I uh, it is a very tough call because uh, Grimes, I think, is the guy that we started the season saying he was the guy that fit uh, the most, and I think you know for the same reasons I, I lean towards Grimes being the starter over Cam because. Cam has a little bit more ability to create for himself. I think Grimes this year has shown, um, you know, a little more creativity in terms of like driving and dishing. Um, but he's not a guy that's going to like ISO someone and get a bucket. So I think Cam can do that a little more off the bench. Whereas uh, Grimes can be a very good catch and shoot player with, with high usage guys like Brunson, Randall and, and Barrett uh, in the starting lineup. So I, I would stick with that because both of them, you know, are have been very good defenders, and uh, you know Grimes' shot hasn't been falling yet, but I would expect that could change eventually. And I think that's a you know very much needed. You know, although um, uh, who are we talking about? Reddish. Reddish. Sorry, brain fart there. Uh, Reddish has also been shooting the ball well. Um, so like like I said, it, it, I don't think there's a, a bad decision, but I think. Um, just based off of the of Cam's ability to create, and you know, maybe more being able to do that off the bench um, without the the other ball handlers uh, on the floor, I think that that's the way I would lean. Yeah, I think I agree with pretty much everything he said. So once Grimes starts, his shot starts falling. I think that's that's just that's the fit for the for the starting lineup with the high usage guys. So you have a, you know, you're like your your Danny Green type who could just stay in the corner and knock down shots. I mean, he does a very good job of cutting. He's always surprisingly quick and bouncy, and he makes a good cut, and he'll, he'll finish at the rim, which is nice. But I think Cam right now is better at creating his own shot. So in the long run, I think uh, the second unit and letting him kind of really flourish there and, you know, get more looks as the as the number one option or number two option if RJ's playing with him. And – uh quickly so yeah i think that's that seems like the right right thing and and grimes is better on defense uh but i mean reddish does make defensive plays and he, he uses his athleticism to to make things happen but at the end of the game tonight i mean you could just see john morant was just taking his pick and then sprinting past cam reddish so that wasn't really working out but i mean who's to say he pretty much just does that to everyone in the NBA, so I, I can't really be too upset about Cam Reddish getting sprinted past. Yeah, Morant's a tough guard for, for Reddish, and I, I liked his length on him, but Grimes is just a, a better – he moves more quickly uh, laterally, and he's a better kind of point-of-attack defender. But, I mean, Reddish has been really good in passing lanes, making plays, getting steals, getting blocks. Um, the thing about Grimes that has impressed me most – you know, obviously he's been struggling from the three point line. He has been really good making plays for his teammates um, since he started, since he's come back his first game back in the rotation, we mentioned was that eight assist game against Phoenix. Then he had um, just a one assist game against OKC, but he had five dimes against Portland and then four uh, against Memphis in kind of limited, I mean, not limited minutes, but for like 26 minutes, he, he really does make great decisions with the ball in his hands and he makes unselfish plays. Like some of his his extra passes are are just they create wide open looks, wide open dunks. I think Mitch got a couple free dunks um, on on looks that like Grimes could have probably gone up with it, and maybe there some of his teammates might have gone up with it. Grimes dishes it off. Like I, I'm very impressed with his passing ability and his playmaking, which you know that that helps 
bench units or it helps helps the starters. I like him in the starters too. I think it's where he belongs and and Cam and and Tibbs can kind of gauge who's playing better, who who should be finishing games and maybe both of them should be in certain instances, but um it's it's not a bad it's not a bad problem to have like too many good wings. So um yeah, we'll, we'll see if if now that Cam Grimes and RJ are all healthy healthy if RJ may, you know, sit out sometimes on the stretch if he, if he's not doing a good job. I know, you know, that's possible now that we have two effective wings that can play. So who knows? We'll see. But maybe he'll just continue to play 45 minutes a game regardless. I don't I'm going to I'm going to throw out just a hot take here. Um like I feel like if the Knicks were to go small at the end of the games, I would would not mind seeing Cam as the the small ball four over Obi, uh, in that situation with Randall at the center. What do you what do you guys think of that? I'm just just thinking about this out loud, and I, I feel like that would be a fun situation for me. With that, with the defensive Grimes and Cam surrounded by the Knicks' three best players. I'm all for it. I mean, it's, I, I'd say the Knicks, especially in this game against, um, I mean, Steven Adams and, and the Grizzlies were just killing us on the boards, but in general, the Knicks have been one of the worst defensive rebounding teams in the league, which is crazy considering that they always have traditional bigs. Like they always play traditional centers and they always play proper power forwards. Um, I mean, always is an exaggeration there. Obviously, we see Randall and Obi minutes together in spurts. But for the most part, we're seeing three centers at a, like in some games where you're getting Hartenstein, Sims, and Mitchell Robinson all in the same game. It is crazy to me that they've been as bad at defensive rebounding as they've been. And it's not like it's going to get a whole lot worse if you go small. Like, we're already getting killed there. Might as well try and make up for it um, in other ways. So I, I like that that idea. Um, yeah. So, so next thing, I guess we could talk, I mean, IQ IQ's hurt. Um, I, I did notice that Sims didn't play against the Grizzlies. Uh, Jericho Sims, I thought has been the best center. Yeah. Oh, oh, did my internet cut out? Sorry guys. You go ahead. Yep. I agree with you. Uh, Jericho Sims has been great in that Blazers game, especially, uh, where Mitchell Robinson, made his return to the lineup and uh, Hartenstein was the first big off the bench. It was, you were wondering if we were going to see Sims at all, but then um, Mitchell Robinson got in foul trouble, which was unfortunate, which, but it made sense because the refs called a foul every single play, like we said. Um, and then Sims ended up playing the entirety of down the stretch Plus, he was he started in overtime, even though Mitchell Robinson still hadn't fouled out at that point. And then eventually, after a few couple minutes in, in overtime, Mitchell Robinson came back and fouled out, and Sims came back in and finished the game. But it was it spoke to volumes to, to how good he's been that you know he was the one starting overtime when everybody else was was available, and then they left him to, in down the stretch. He's been very good. He he is very bouncy. He's always in the right spot. He 
He had a an and one to tie the game down the stretch in the fourth quarter, which was which is great. He's he's he hits his free throws when he gets there, which is nice. Added perk. I, I'm a big fan of the guy. Yeah, and I'll I'll say it seems just based off of the last couple games since Mitch got back that it might just be a matchup thing. Like uh, against Portland, um, they needed a, a big defensive center to play uh, while Nurkic was kind of cooking a little bit. Uh, against um, today against the Grizzlies, uh, Stephen Adam, Stephen Adams isn't really so much of as of an offensive threat as he is just an offensive rebounder and. You know, presumably a guy like uh, Hartenstein would, you know, Hartenstein versus Sims isn't much of a difference. You don't really need Sims defense against um, Stephen Adams. So I think, you know, that might just be a matchup thing night to night because I, I think, like like you both said, Sims has has earned some some potential to play, and uh, he's been, you know, very good when he has played. Yeah, I think you know, considering the the coverage that the Knicks were running against John Morant pick and rolls. They weren't switching, but Greg, to your point, um, Jaws so fast that when he gets that screen, he's like full on sprinting into the paint. Like he is so fast. So it essentially becomes a switch. Like you're seeing guys like Hartenstein and Mitchell Robinson try and contest these floaters and jump shots, but they're just not, I mean, even Mitch, I mean, Mitch did a, a pretty good job today, I will say, but Hartenstein struggled. He doesn't have the length or the athleticism to do that. Jericho Sims does like he would have been the best option to run that kind of drop defense against John Morant. Um, you know, would have been interesting to see. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how, how that uh, Tibbs kind of plays that center rotation going forward, because there are three guys who kind of deserve to play, you know, and, and Hartenstein for as, as much of a downgrade, he is sort of as a rim protector, he's by far the most skilled passer. Like he had some really nice passes. Um, I think he hit, I want to say he hit cam reddish on a cut and cam then dumped it off to Obi for a dunk. And those are the kinds of plays that you just don't really see. I mean, you flat out won't see if Sims or Mitchell Robinson are playing center. Yeah. And he's always looking to pass, which is good too. I mean, in the first quarter today, when he got in, he was looking for a backdoor cut. But nobody back to our cut, so he just threw it out of bounds. But that it was a good idea. No, oh, I mean that backdoor cut for quickly was wide open, and actually the play before it, it was wide open again, and you could see Hardenstein wanted to make it that time too. He was like tempted to throw it out of bounds again, but quickly didn't cut that time either. <laughs> and then the next time down, he was like, "Well, surely quickly will cut this time," and he didn't. So you know that was a that was a backdoor play that was wide open, and uh, it was a bummer that. You know, Hartenstein's got a great eye for that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of a another good problem to have. You have like three very competent NBA rotation centers. Um, obviously, you're you're paying Mitchell Robinson Robinson sixty million. Um, I think over three years. So, like, or is it over four years? Do you guys remember what Mitch's contract is? He's he's getting some money. I think it's four, but I think we all agree that you know he's the guy. So it's really the other two who are you know figure out how. Yeah. How to mix and match those two. All right. I mean, do, do we talk enough about Jalen Brunson? Um, I feel like. I don't think we could ever talk yeah. enough about Jalen Brunson. Should, the only problem is like, there's only so much we could say. He's been great and he's been the Knicks best player. And he's just uh, an amazing sign this off season by the, by the front office. Yeah. yeah. And you know, another thing I'll say about the, the, 
people saying it's an overpay. I mean, even Clyde today was saying people were saying it was an overpay, but I don't hear them saying anything anymore. Just funny, good to hear. But we'll 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 see it coming up this week in our our matchup against the Mavericks. But the Mavericks are are, are in struggle city uh, without him. You have Luka Doncic, who is you know potentially the best player in the NBA currently with with how he's been playing. But they're still only 500, about to drop below 500 since they're losing to the Bucks right now. But the the rest of that team is just not hooping. And uh, losing Jalen Brunson has, has been a large part of that. And the Knicks own the Mavericks' top 10 protected pick. So the value of, of paying Jalen Brunson, we kind of may have bought ourselves a, a little bit of a better pick. Nice. Which is good. And also, I, I was reading yesterday that Reggie Bullock and Tim Hardaway are both very bad. So <laughs> They've been terrible. Yeah. I mean, we we both – we all knew about Tim Hardaway, but it's a bummer about Bullock. We, we like – you like uh, I like Reggie Bullock. And and uh, it, it was crazy to me that, like, last year, I think people were pretty high on, on Tim Hardaway Jr. And I was just like, I watched this guy play in two different stints on the Knicks, and I just didn't see it. Uh, yeah, so he, he got himself re-signed for uh, for another four years, seventy million dollars, which is you know impressive after what he did with his his first four years, seventy million dollar contract. He was yeah. just horrible for for three years, and then you you know you have your oh, okay contract here, and they do it again, and then you go back to being Tim Hardaway Jr. Well, guys, I, w- I was pretty tempted to kind of wrap it up and look to the week ahead, but I guess we should do one quick kind of temperature check on – we haven't even really talked about Julius Randle much, and he's one of our highest usage guys. You know, he's been the second best player on the team probably. Certainly the be- the second best offensive player on the team, no question. Um, what do you guys think about Julius Randle? Do you like him? <laughs> I I am – I think I'm higher on Julius Randle than most. He, I still think he is clearly the, the second best player by a lot. Uh, the one thing I don't like about him is when he just shoots jump shots. It seems like uh, in the first quarter of every game for, you know, I don't know, last like three weeks, he just comes out firing jump shots. Tonight he did it. Um, the game I was at a couple weeks ago, he did it, and he just seems to do it. And it's – I, I, it's just not his game. I, you know, you you take the jump shot when it's there, but that's not what you're looking for. That's not what you're trying to to do when you're you're Julius Randle. You're just a an absolute beast. Uh, and it's not like he's taking his his patented uh, turnaround fadeaway out of bounds type of mid range jump shot. It's just settling for for three pointers early in the shot clock, stuff like that. But I mean. Against the Blazers, he was like you said the the box plus minus or the, the regular plus minus didn't didn't do him any favors. He was minus seventeen in his thirty nine minutes, and Toppin was plus fourteen in his fourteen minutes. So that was a, a bit unfortunate. A lot of that was just the third quarter where the subs built up a big lead, and then the starters immediately lost the entire thing, and it was a one point game going into the fourth. So. I like him. Yeah, I'm. I'm probably right about where Greg is. I think I'm. I'm much higher on him than 
the Knicks Twitter would uh, would seem to be. And I think Knicks Twitter is just a little overboard in, in kind of how they they have treated him. Um, I think because I think this year and, you know, um, in the last few games in particular, I think he's been playing much more within himself um, rather than trying to force everything. And I think a lot of that has to do with with Jalen Brunson. Um, on the defensive end, I know that is his biggest issue, and I I think what Knicks fans just need to accept is that's the player that he is. Like I, I don't think that like I think there's there's times when you know um, he loses sight of things because he's ball watching, but like I don't think that's you know a lack of effort or anything. Uh, but but you know again, I, I think offensively, I'm much more happy to see him playing within himself than than forcing stuff like he did last year. There's a play during the 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 game today against Memphis where um, RJ did his tunnel vision thing. I think Randall was pretty wide open, um, didn't get the ball. And so I think that's a situation where historically um, if the ball came back to it, let me, let me finish explaining what happened to the play. So that happened. RJ forced a shot. The Knicks got the, the offensive rebound and it got kicked out to Randall. I think, in that situation, after just getting passed up for what could have been an open three um, after RJ drove, he would have just drove at the rim and tried to force something to happen. He did drive, but then um, RJ was left wide open and he kicked it out to RJ and yep. RJ m- missed the wide open three. But that that play was very indicative to me of like he's you know playing the team basketball game because, again, historically, he, he was wide open for a potential shot, was ignored, the ball came back to him, he would have gone right at the rim and try to draw a foul or something but in this instance he he found, he did made the right play and found the open shooter if you can call rj a shooter <laughs> no kenny i noticed that too and that was that was undoubtedly a good sign for him and i'm with you guys on the offensive end and kenny i know you just mentioned the defensive struggles i'll probably take it a, a step further in a second but just touching on his offensive game today he had a season high nine assists to just one turnover today so even though he only took nine field goal attempts five of which were threes. Greg, to your point, that's not the kind of, you know, disparity you want to see. Um, but like at least the shot selection you want to see, but the nine assists to one turnover, that's as good as you're going to get. Like his second highest assist output this season is just seven assists. He had four turnovers in that game. Um, nine to one, he does not have a better assist to turnover ratio, maybe even in his career. Honestly, that that's pretty, pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, defensively I don't think I mean it's not an exaggeration to say he's the worst defensive player on the team like he I just um I sent you guys in the chat like a play in overtime against the Grizzlies which I I call or the Grizzlies against the Blazers um and I I deem this like the most important play in overtime it was with two minutes and 40 seconds left in overtime it was a one possession game and Randall just completely zones out i mean he's ball watching and kenny i know you you kind of said like that's just kind of who he is as a player but this is the most high leverage moment of the game to that point and he just like he should be guarding nurkic completely loses track of him and ends up being a an easy bucket for him it's like those those types of plays just in in big moments can be really frustrating um even more frustrating are when he like doesn't run back on defense um the transition defense with him on the floor him and rj together is just a train wreck um i I think he's just a a very damaging defensive player but he's been very good on offense so you kind of have to take the good with the bad there and um we haven't really talked that much about obi he's been really bad like 
He's in the last, I'm looking at the last eight games. He's averaging five and a half points per game, shooting 35% from the field. Eight Again, this is eight game sample down to 31% from three. If he's not hitting threes, Obi's like kind of not contributing to our offense and he's definitely not helping on defense. He's been very bad there too. Um, so like, you know, usually when, when Randall's kind of loafing on defense, fans will look at Obi Toppin and be like, you got to get this guy in, look at what he's doing when he's on the floor lately. That hasn't been the case. He hasn't been finishing around the rim very well if he's not dunking it. Um, so that's, it's been kind of a weird regression from Obi we haven't really seen a stretch from him like this where he's, he's struggled so much on the floor. Have you, what do you guys think of what you've seen from Obi? And then we'll kind of wrap it up. Uh, I just want to jump in and say, first off, I appreciate your, your kind of uh, level headedness on that, because I think a lot of people, like you said, take the position that Obi is the answer and Randall is the problem. And like watching the games, like you said, Obi's been struggling. And today, I, I think I mentioned to you guys, like, Obi took some of the worst threes that I've seen him take. Uh, I, I don't know if it's a corner three problem with him, um, but I have seen him airball a lot of corner threes this year, and today was, like, one of the worst I've seen. I feel like it was both long and to the left. Like, it wasn't going to hit the rim in either direction. I think we need uh, to get him LASIK and, surgery or something. Like, some, some kind of, like, or contacts. That, Something's got to happen there. Yeah, that was a thing that happened to Rudy Gay. I don't know if you guys remember that. Right, right. But but he, like, very late in his career, was just like, oh, he got LASIK, so now he can see. I was (laughs) like, why would you wait this long to do that? Um, But maybe, maybe, I don't know. Um, And I think, like you you said, I think the the three-point shot for Obi is is coming back to earth. um, And I would love it if he was a good shooter, and now I'm I'm kind of uh, a little – less sure than I was maybe a week ago about, um, you know, his, his long-term prospects or maybe if he had a hot streak, although like I'm not completely out of him as a shooter. Uh, but like you said, the, the defense has also been a problem. I, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm going too negative with this, but um, Ob- Obi's game has not been um, what the Knicks have expected. Although I think it's to, to some people's point, it's, it's not for lack of effort. I think he is um, whenever he's on the floor, he's, he's putting effort in. So. There, I'm going to end it on a positive and, and stop talking. Yeah, that, that sounds good. I mean, the one thing Tom mentioned that, that I have noticed is this is finishing at the rim then it, when it's not a dunk. It's, it is quite frustrating. Uh, today there was a layup that he missed when you're, and then he came back and dunked at the next play. And, uh, you know, Clyde and Breen were saying, you know, should have just, should have just dunked the last one. So, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what it is. It just seems like he's very inconsistent. I like him. I don't. I don't. I've never been. I've always more been a a team Randall over team Obi Gadge because one of them is better than the other. But yeah, like and I'll just both. say like Obi's defenders would say, look, he's not getting into rhythm. He's not playing enough. The role he's in, he's just being asked to stand in the corner and shoot. And that's not what he's good at. Like he should be more involved in the offense. Like, and I, and I get these things too. Like there's, there's two sides to it, but um, yeah, considering what he's being asked to do, he's not doing a good job of it right now. Um, and he's not rebounding well either uh, to go along with his defense. So like, that's a problem. That's a problem. So we'll have to keep an eye on that and we'll, we'll check in on OB next week. Um, we'll, we'll real quick, we'll, we'll wrap this up. Uh, we have four games in the coming week. We'll be, uh, Knicks will be at Detroit on Tuesday. And then a second night of a back-to-back will be home against the bucks. 
And then another back-to-back Saturday and Sunday, home against the Mavericks and the Cavaliers. So, um, I mean, I think we got to think, we got to consider the, the Detroit Pistons game, hopefully a win. Um, I think that the Bucks would be, or the Bucks, the Bucks it would be a tough one. Mavericks, I like at home. Uh, I think the Julius seems to really get up against um, these Dallas, the Dallas Mavericks. I think that's his hometown. So um, I like, I mean, I like two and two here. Uh, I know you guys tend to be a little bit more optimistic in these guesses. So what do you think? No, I, I like two and two. And, and I think my optimism is I usually look, don't like predicting a, a losing week. Um, and so I'm, I'm fine predicting a two and two week. And uh, also a note on the, the Dallas game is Jalen Brunson um, first game against mm-hmm. his former team. And there, you know, the, there were the whole stories that they could have signed him before last year for a lot cheaper than he got. And I think, um, you know, part of the reason he ended up leaving the team was because he felt a little disrespected by that. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out in that game. Although, you know, he's, he's very much um, kind of stone faced. So I, I don't know that we'll see a lot of emotion, but might see some fireworks from him. Yeah, you're good with two and two? I'm with you guys. I'm with, I mean, I'll go with three and one just because I, uh, just to be optimistic, change it up, change the vibe, unless, you know, you guys want to do this as a pod. I mean, the, the Bucks game, I'll just that's they're gonna lose that game. I'm just gonna tell you guys now. The Bucks are playing today, the twenty seventh, and they are not playing again until the thirtieth when they play the, the Knicks. And the Knicks are playing, like Tom said, the second game of a back to back against the Bucks. That's a that's not what you it's not a good matchup. I mean the, the Cavs were hot to start the year, then they got cold, then now they're hot again. So maybe they'll get cold again. And they've been very up and down. I, I, I don't think the Cavaliers are as good as the record. So, like the Knicks beat the Jazz, I think, showing that the Jazz have really, you know, come back to earth. Maybe they'll do that against the Cavaliers too. All right, Plus guys. They have, to, they have to get back to five hundred because that's where we belong, and we're two yeah, games. The Knicks on. are a five hundred team through and through. Um, all right. I think we do like a quick lightning round of, of, uh, our America's favorite sub podcast. What else is on? Um, just, just real quick mention, Greg, what are you watching right now? Uh, I just watched 1899 on Netflix by the makers of dark. I won't say anything because Kenny hasn't seen it yet. Um, and then we watched as a family, the new Top Gun movie, which oh. is very good. Nice. Uh, we want to watch that. We still have. We're one of the few people in America who haven't watched that yet. So, uh, yeah, Rose and I want to want to check that out. Yeah, Kenny, Kenny since, what else is on? Since since Greg and I were together, our our list is pretty much the same. Um, so, eighteen ninety nine is supposed to be like a. I think it's kind of like creepy, a little um, paranormal e, and so I tried like five times to put it on at my house and every time I tried Netflix restarted. And so I just eventually gave up and uh, started watching community. Um, but I wasn't sure if that was part of like the paranormal creepy activity from the show. I asked Greg and he said, no. So um, I, I don't know what was happening there. I'm eventually going to start that very excited to watch that. And like Greg said, we watched Top Gun as a family, uh, which was I highly recommend it. It was a it was an epic watch. And Tom, what did you watch? Uh, I've been sticking to my my regimen of White Lotus season two. 
just caught up with that yesterday. I know a new episode's coming out tonight as we're recording. Uh, so looking forward to watching that. I'm I'm still in on this show. I know Greg and I, we, we've been talking with Jake about it. Jake's pretty much out on it. Um, I think he said he's now watching Park and Recreation and pretending that's White Lotus. Um, but I, I'm still digging it. I'm still enjoying myself um, in Sicily. And then Rose and I are also watching... Uh, New Girl. We're we're I think in season four or five. Uh, they're kind of blending together, but that's been the that's been the comfort show to to wind down at at the end of the night and after, pleasant show. After I watched eighteen ninety nine, McKenny Senators, it's spooky. Uh, I, I watched an episode of of New Girl to 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 ease myself out. Goosebumps Walk Away was the episode. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a classic. Sign um, or Sammy. Yeah. <laughs> good one. All right. Well, I think that's that's it for us. Um, for everyone that's still listening, we appreciate you. Uh, make sure you follow us, subscribe on YouTube. We are on YouTube. We are putting out content there. Check us out. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Talking Nicks, on Twitter at Talking Nicks. We're putting out clips. And uh, yeah, we're, we're, we've been more active. So uh, definitely check out our stuff on all the channels. We appreciate you listening. Uh, like, subscribe, review on the podcast platforms. Thank you. And as always, let's go Knicks. Thanks, Tate. Hey, everybody. It's Talking Jake here, and I want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you're not going to want to miss. The Deal. Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers, executives, Maria Sharapova, Strahan, Jeter, and more. The Deal takes you behind the scenes into those worlds of sports, media, and entertainment. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.